0: hey what's up guys welcome back to the living the dream podcast today on the show we have leah forney who is a published author we're gonna to get to hear a little bit about her her dreams her goals and how we can help so leah how you doing
1: i'm good timothy how are you
0: doing well doing well and we like to jump right in so if you could start with just telling us a little bit about yourself and some of the things that you like to do for fun that'd be great <laughs>
1: Okay. So I am Leah M. Forney. I am a native of Queens, New York, but I currently reside in Maryland. Um, Professionally, I work in the mental health sector. I've been in the field of mental health going on 10 years um, as a mental health clinician, licensed therapist. I got my master's in marriage and family therapy uh, 2019. So other than that, I am also a seven-time published author and a coach. Right. So I help other people, aspiring authors get their books written. Um, but outside of that, I would say personally, I'm just a dope female that likes to have fun, likes to travel. Um, I will say I'm very goofy. So I love to laugh. I'm big on laughter. I believe that laughter is like the greatest medicine ever. Sometimes you just need a really good gut wrenching laugh. And so what I like to do for fun outside of sleeping um i would have to say simple things like i love playing card games um i love going skating um those are some of the things that i really love to do anything that'll allow me to like keep my adrenaline and get some cardio in all at the same time like i'm down
0: i love it i love it what 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 type of card games what's your favorite one
1: You know what? So this past weekend is funny because some of my friends were in town and we played um, game of of Uno. And so, you know, I'm very competitive, Timothy. I'm the type that would be like, you do not want this smoke. Like (laughs) so we had like the best 10 out of 10 and it was it was really fun.
0: I love it. Awesome. Well, tell us a little bit more about why the mental health sector and what gets you up and keeps you going every day.
1: Yeah, that's such a good story. So uh, mental health sector, because I'm the daughter of two addicts. So I was born um, to a drug addicted mom when I was two um, and actually born addicted to drugs. That's what they used to call it back in the 80s, a crack baby. Um, So I got into the mental health sector because after discovering that my mom was a drug addict, my daddy was an alcoholic and incarcerated, Um, I really got into it because I thought I wanted to learn everything I needed to learn to fix my dysfunctional family. Um, Because naturally, I'm a fixer. So it was like, oh, let me get into this field. Let me learn all the tools that I need to learn so I can go back and fix my broken family. Well, long and behold, what I have learned is that that is not even my job as a therapist. It is not my job to fix anybody. Um, Best piece of advice I got from one of my greatest professors, Dr. Armstrong, she used to always tell us, it is your client's life anyway. Ultimately, people know where they want to end up right? They know what they desire for their life. And your role as a therapist is really to guide them, to kind of steer that ship in the direction of which they're supposed to go, not to fix it, but to really help them fix it for themselves so that's how i got in the field because i thought okay let me learn what i need to learn (laughs) to become this awesome therapist to help my family but i have discovered that's not my purpose what gets me up and going every day is um a few things well one my relationship with god knowing that he has put me on this earth for a greater purpose, um, is one thing. Um, myself, I believe high heavily in self motivation, so I'm always thinking about my goals. What are some of the things that I desire to do with my life? That's one thing, and then I would also add in my family. I'm an aunt of eleven beautiful nieces and nephews, and those are my everything. Those are my hearts. You know, to be able to see for them to be able to see me be successful and realize that they can do the same thing too. Like all of those things are the motivation that gets me going in the morning.
0: Awesome. Awesome. I love that. I love how you highlighted yourself and that you motivate yourself. Cause um, yeah. I think that's something that's really important in life. Tell us a little bit about you figured out that it wasn't your job to fix people, but to mm-hmm. guide them into fixing it for themselves. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about the difficulties that you encounter when doing that and what happens when you're trying to guide somebody, but they never get to the point where they wanna fix it and how you kinda deal with that situation.
1: Yeah, I love that question. So um, I think the first part of it is for me, because naturally I'm a fixer, I'm the type of person when when I see a problem, my mind immediately goes to, so how do we fix this, right? What is the solution? Um, What I had to learn about removing myself as a fixer is that I don't want to be in a position to take over control of somebody else's life. Because what happens when we start to control other people's lives is that we essentially take on their stuff, right? And I learned that with my mom. That would be the perfect example because for years, my mother was in and out of hospitals and not in prison. And and every time she ended up somewhere in the hospital and she thought she was about to die, she would call my phone. And naturally the little girl in me is like, oh my God, it's my mommy. Let me go rescue her. Right. But rescuing her was ultimately killing me because I'm dropping everything I can to run off, make sure she's okay. And then once she's stable enough, she's right back to doing what she wants to do, right? So what I had to learn as a fixer was boundaries. I had to learn that it is okay to want something for somebody. It is okay to encourage something, for somebody to do something better for themselves, but it is not okay to deplete yourself while doing it. And so I had to learn how to set those boundaries with my mom and say, listen, I love you, I will be here for you, but you're going to have to advocate for yourself you're going to have to talk to the doctors. You're going to have to make sure that you're following your medication regimen. You're going to have to do that. I can't hold your hand because what essentially happens, and this is for, you know, children who may have parents that are addicts, we become the parents. So the the term in mental health is parentified child, right? The child becomes the parent. We switch roles. So now I'm responsible for making sure your mental and emotional and, and spiritual and physical needs are met When that's your role, your role is supposed to be doing that for me. So I had to really learn boundaries to answer. The second part of that is recognizing people's own autonomy and realizing that while you may want something for somebody, they may not want it for themselves. And that's hard, especially when that person is your loved one. Right. And you're like, I just wish you would just, you know, do this and you would be. But sometimes people don't even see it. They're so caught up in their own pain, right? And and what they're going through that they don't even see the bigger picture like you see the bigger picture. So sometimes even as a therapist, what I have to do is, is have, understand my client's autonomy, their own rights and let them make the best decision for them, even if I don't agree with it. And again, that's hard because especially when that person is your loved one, because you want the best for them, but the best for them may not be what they think is best for them. And so that's kind of how I had to juggle and and work my way through those things.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I love that. And, you know, at some point in there, you said that you have to let people get to the point where they are advocating for themselves. Mm -hmm. How, is there a way to help somebody get on their way to advocating for themselves while not depleting yourself?
1: You know, I think it's, the really, for me, I think the way is to be an encourager, right? So we can encourage, but there's a reason why motivation is, it's always self-motivation, right? Because there's gotta be something in you that says, okay, I want better, right? Because again, using the example of my mom, my mom had heard from every doctor in New York city, Hey, if you don't stop doing drugs, this is what's going to happen. Like she heard it repeatedly, right? And that still wasn't enough for her to say, let me stop doing these drugs because this is going to kill me, right? That still wasn't. My dad was the same way. He heard it repeatedly. That still wasn't enough. So that tells me that they didn't have, one, the motivation, but then two, they didn't have their own, what I like to call resilience factor, right? Where they recognize that, hey, you know what? I am made for more. I am here for more. Let me put this thing down. Let me deal with whatever it is that I need to deal with so I'm a better person and not be dependent on this drug. Everybody doesn't have that. So what we can do is encourage, hey, I'm encouraging you to you know, deal with your addiction or deal with your emotional uh, wellness or deal with whatever it is that you need to deal with. And that is the way... We do it while still loving people. So I always say, if you're going to encourage, encourage and love, right? Don't beat them over the head with nothing, but really encourage from a place of love, like I'm genuinely concerned for you, but also keep those boundaries around because the boundaries is really for you. It's to protect you so that you're not mentally drained. You're not emotionally drained. You're not taking on way more than you need to take on because you're trying to do and live your life plus somebody else's.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I love that. You mentioned resilience factor and that Mm self-motivation. How does one go about, so say there's an addict listening to this podcast Mm -hmm. right now. What would you say to that person if they want to develop that resilience factor and that self-motivation?
1: I would say one, I'll say a few things. One, accept where you are right? Recognize where you are. Because the first step to any type of recovery is acceptance and admitting where you are. It's getting real with yourself and saying, I am an addict or whatever the issue is. And this is what I'm dealing with. So that's the first thing I would say. The second thing I would say is ask yourself, how bad do you want it? Because what I have found in any type of recovery process is that just like a new year's resolution, right? The start of the first year, what do we do? Ooh, I'm setting all these goals and I'm getting pumped and we do all of that. Right. And then three months in what happens? All of a sudden we don't have that same fire, that same tenacity, like the goals probably don't even matter anymore. Right. So asking yourself, how bad do you want it? Right. Kickstarts that self-motivation because when I want something really bad enough, it's nothing in this world that's going to stop me from getting there. Right. If I really like, for example, if I want to buy a house and I know what I need to do to buy a the house, there's nothing in this world that's going to stop me from buying that house. If I really want it bad enough. The third thing that I would say is, are you willing to face or confront the things you don't want to confront? because recovery and healing requires you to go to some places in your life that you probably ain't never talked about. I always tell people, and this is why I share with my, my clients as a therapist, is that to me, healing is like open heart surgery with no anesthesia. You have to feel it. All those bottled up emotions that you had, that the, the drugs was suppressing, you're gonna have to feel it. So are you really ready to face those parts of you that you may not want to even face or are too afraid to face in order to really kickstart that motivation. And then once you've kickstarted your motivation, I believe that's when resilience kicks in. Because once you've figured out why this is important, once you ask yourself how bad do you want it, once you decide, okay, I really do want to change my life, then you begin to tap into that resilience that no matter what comes your way, because it, it's not going to be as easy as, okay, I did these things and now, boom, we're going to go through this beautiful recovery process. Absolutely not. But those, answering those questions is going to be the thing that you hold on to in those moments when the cravings kick in, in those moments when you're like, this is too hard and I want to give up. That is what, that's how you get to the place of resilience.
0: I love it. I love it. Tell us a little bit about the importance of, if at all, your um, environment and the people around you in that process.
1: Critical. (laughs) Absolutely critical. Listen, in addiction recovery, one of the things that they tell you, and I believe this is the key for life period, is that you have to be aware of people, places, and things, right? So for example, if I'm recovering from alcohol, right? If I used to be an alcoholic, right? I have to be mindful about what I'm around and who I'm around, right? So that means I can't be around my friends who are still drinking, Right. I can't go hang out at the bar on a Friday night like normal people could do and just go have a cocktail or two with their friends socially. Right. I can't. I also have to be mindful of my own triggers, which is the thing. Right. So what are some of the triggers that I may have in my life that if it happens, I'm going to want to drink. So your environment is absolutely critical to your recovery and your healing, because if you do not become aware of those people, places and things, then you're going to constantly find yourself in a place of relapse because you haven't dealt with them. So that's why in recovery, it's always important to identify those people. Right? And that's going to be hard, because if those people were like your drinking buddies, now I got to tell my drinking buddy, hey, I can't drink with you. Right. That's going to be hard to put those boundaries in place. If you went to a you know certain restaurant, or a certain bar every Friday night, it's going to be hard to resist going there. But again, it all goes back to that motivation. How bad do you want it? Because when you want it bad enough, you will begin to do the work to remove those people, places, and things that will keep you in a place of stagnation and keep you not on the other side of your recovery.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, awesome. Thanks for uh, sharing all that. And let's jump into your dreams and your goals now. Tell us a little bit about your vision for your life, your books, your coaching practice, and job as a therapist?
1: Mm. So ultimately as a therapist, my, my goal will be to start my own private practice. Um, I actually have a dream that I had for many, many years of opening a holistic dream center, um, that will cater to the whole person and mainly the, 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 population that I want to work with is black and brown people. I believe my people need uh, therapy more than ever, um, because we have not just personal traumas, but generational traumas that have been passed down generation after generation that we need to heal from. So that is the big dream um, that I hope to fulfill one day. Um, Personally, I'm, I'm a dreamer by, by nature. So I'm always thinking of things that I want to do. Um, right now, what I'm currently doing is going through a place of re- revising and revamping my coaching practice. Um, because what I have discovered is that a lot of people, in order to even start the book writing process, which is what I work with them on currently, a lot of it is a mindset thing, right? You have to have the, the mindset to even begin a process of anything. Right. And really, that comes with discovering that why asking yourself, why does that even matter that you want to write this book? Why is it important to even tell the story? Right. So I'm in the process of revamping it because I really want to make sure that I'm not just teaching people a process of how to take it from thought in your head to booking your hand, which is what I do now, but I'm really tapping into helping them shift that mindset. Because what people don't realize about book writing is that it is the start of a business, right? Like the IRS sees you as a, like a business person. So how do I help people shift from, oh, I just want to write a book, and this may be a bucket list thing, to this could be the start of a ministry. This could be the start of a coaching business, a, a signature program, whatever, um, and getting them to understand that there's a business side to authorship. So it's more than just writing the book. Um, and a lot of the clients that I have worked with, that has been the, the kind of difficult thing is helping to make that shift because it's more than just, oh, I wrote this book and now it's done. There's a business piece to it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely tell us a little bit more about what your holistic dream center would look like and also some of the things that you do to really help people start to shift that mindset.
1: Oh, so the holistic dream center in my mind um, looks like it's literally a one-stop shop. So what I have found in the course of my 10-year career, I've worked in the community mental health sector for almost 10 years and I have found that A lot of agencies answer or are our solutions to certain things, but not the solution to everything. Right. So it's like you can go to one place and get this help. You can go to another place and get this help. So for me, when I think of holistic, I think of we're treating the whole person. Right. So I don't want to just focus on the mental health piece at just that. But how do I get you ready and acclimated for the world, right? So job training is one thing. I currently work with the homeless services in the in DC. And I will tell you, not only do I have clients that fall in the mental health uh, population, but financial literacy, they can't do it. They don't know what a budget is. They don't understand that when you're signing a lease, Right, like what you're actually signing. They don't get that, you know, when you pay the deposit for electricity, that includes a bill. So for me, when I think holistic, is how do I get you prepared for the world? So not only job readiness, but financial literacy training, making sure that you understand where your money is going how do you how do you budget on a fixed income but then also how do you budget when you have steady income teaching them you know the ins and outs of lease signing teaching them the ins and outs of credit right these are some things that especially in our black and brown communities that a lot of our family members drop the ball in so we were kind of released to the world at 18 right but no steady foundation financially. So this is why so many of us, myself included, at 18 got that first credit card and didn't know, understand that, oh yeah, you could spend this $500, but you're going to pay back this $500, right? Like we didn't understand that because it wasn't taught. So when I think of my dream center, I think of really providing my community with the things that I wish I had, that I had to find out in my adult years, right, that I feel like if you kind of give that foundation early on, you set people up for success. Because many of us are still trying to figure that out as adults, (laughs) because we didn't have that foundation. So that's, that's what the Dream Center um, looks like for me. Um, Now I'm trying to remember the second part of the question. (laughs) Uh,
0: What are the things that you do to really help people shift their mindset with your coaching practice?
1: So the first thing, even as a clinician, I do is meet people where they are, right? So figuring out, I have a whole questionnaire that I um, ask my client, potential clients, um, and they really are surrounded around where they are mentally. They're surrounded around stressors, right? Because I want to know what are some major stresses in your life? Because a lot of times what can stop us as well is when we get overwhelmed, right? So I work with a lot of women, some of them are moms, right? So I don't wanna know like, how are you balancing your life currently, right? Especially if you're working and this is something you are doing in the evenings, like how are you able to balance that? The other thing I ask is about around accountability. Because um, what I have found is that we say accountability, but I don't really think people understand what accountability is. And so when I talk to my potential clients about accountability, I let them know this is not going to be me blowing up your phone like, hey, what are you doing? No, I'm going to trust that you're, you're going to follow this process. But what I, how I hold you accountable is I stretch you in areas you don't want to be stretched in. So what I have, for example, is I've had clients that are terrified of social media right? They're like, I want to go on Facebook and post and, but you want somebody to buy your product, right? So how are they going to buy the product if they don't know the product exists? So one of the ways that I've been able to help stretch them is that literally after every session that we've had, they have within 24 hours to make a social media post, however they want to do it, whether they want to go live or just make a post, they have to tag me in it to show me that they're willing to be stretching that area and I will tell you those that have done it now like they, they can't stop posting because they realized that what I was afraid of is actually not that bad right like I tell people now social media is your friend so I teach I try to teach them the importance of being held accountable and allowing people to stretch you because when you're stretched then you' you' you become more fluid when you become more fluid then you have this this area to grow and develop. But when we become like so rigid that it's like, "Mm -mm, I'm not going to do that, but then you want to make the money that you want to make, you want to live the life that you say you want to live, that's going to require you to be stretched. That's going to require you to be held accountable. So those are some ways that I begin to help people shift their mindset.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I love that. I think stretching, you know, just growth and um, everything good, basically, that you don't have right now exists outside of your comfort zone.
1: Mm, Yes.
0: So I think that's really important. Well, awesome. If there were one or two people that you can meet right now, or one or two types of people that you can meet right now, that would really help you take the next step towards scaling your coaching business the way you want to and getting that holistic dream center up and going, who would they be and how would they do it?
1: Mm, that's so good. So, you know, I think for me, and just like a therapist, I will always say every therapist needs a therapist, but I think for me, I definitely am seeking a coach, um, some type of business coach or business strategist, um, because one thing that I have learned this year, and this year was a pretty good year, I will not say say it wasn't, but there were areas in my business foundation that were not as solid as they needed to be. Right, and so I am going into 2022. One of the things that I, after praying about it, I was like, you know what? I don't want to launch anything new without really strengthening my business foundation and making sure that I have everything in place, all the systems in place that I need to scale my business, so that I'm not doing everything by itself. Like it kind of runs on autopilot. So that would be the first thing. But when I think of a business strategist, a business coach, definitely somebody is that is. Um, faith-based for me um, because I I, believe, I I am rooted heavily in my spirituality. So I, I need somebody that can, is kingdom-minded, right? That is not um, so rigid in meeting business practices. Because one thing that I do believe is that you can marry the marketplace and the kingdom, right? Like there doesn't have to be this great divide that religion tries to teach us, right? That there's a reason why God gives you the gifts and the talents that he gives you because they're not just supposed to stay in the church. They're supposed to go out into the marketplace. So definitely I need somebody that's faith-based and understands the importance of being kingdom-minded and being able to marry the kingdom and and, and the marketplace, but also um, someone that will hold me accountable right, because I know for myself, there are moments that I can get so excited about these huge goals that I'm setting for myself, Um, but then somewhere along the line, I get overwhelmed, and then I'm like, "Eh, I'm not doing anything, right, (laughs) so I need that person, and I have my tribe of friends who are all entrepreneurs, that, but I need that type of coach that's like, Leah, what are you doing, like, what are you really doing this week, like, and, and really be able to hold me and stretch me in areas that I need to be stretched in as well. So um, in terms of the Dream Center, I would probably say I would want to work with um, a therapist that already has like their practice started up. Um, somebody that works maybe in a non- nonprofit sector because I do believe that's what I will go in that route. It would be a nonprofit. Um, And really, David, I get great insight on what that looks like, um, both like legally (laughs) and how you file the nonprofit piece, but then also how do you really structure it? Because I do believe like nonprofits are structured way different than for profit. So yeah, that's what that would look like for me.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Sounds good. And just a follow up question for the Holistic Dream Center. When you're thinking of that in your mind, is it kind of like, you taking the helm or is it like you end up having 500 employees that run this holistic dream center as a nonprofit for black and brown communities?
1: Yeah, no, I need a team. It was, I do not want it to be just me. Um, in my mind, I literally have not just therapists, coaches, Um, And I think that's the reason why I'm in the place where I am now, where I'm connecting with so many different coaches and so many different and collaborating now, because God has shown me like, yep, these are the same people that when you're ready to launch this dream that I've given you all these years ago, that you can now tap into and be like, hey, how do we work together? Um, So definitely not just me. Um, even as a coach like I don't I, at some point I want to be able to add like a virtual assistant and some like because being a solo entrepreneur is not all that people think it's cracked up to be it's a lot of work oh. and 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 when it's just you you can easily burn yourself out and that's why I'm definitely learning to be intentional with self-care I'm learning to be intentional with rest and all of that because it's it's not easy when it's just you so definitely I'm, I'm gonna have to build me a team for this one.
0: Love it. What's the most important one or two things that everyday people can do to really help you accomplish these dreams and goals?
1: Um, I think one, definitely let's connect right? I, I would love to connect. I'm I'm so open to meeting new people and seeing how I can support them, right? Not just, it's not always about me. I, I love to be able to help push other people's visions forward as well. So definitely being able to connect, but then also I would say if you see me on social media posting about anything related to my business, please feel free to share it out um, because I believe together, we can reach a wider range of people than if it's just me, you know, with these social media algorithms, not everybody's going to see it anyway. So the more people that share it, um, the more that it helps my business get out there and grow.
0: I love it. I love it. Well, now we're going to jump into our thriving three. Mm. So our first question is what's your favorite book, movie, or podcast? Pick one.
1: Who? So my fa- I'm gonna go with my favorite book. My favorite book is *The Year of Yes* by Shonda Rhimes. Mm. It is the absolutely best book ever. Um, I'm actually re-listening to. Well, I read it in paperback. I'm re- I'm listening to it now in audiobook form, and it just gets better every time I read it. Um, it is a really great book. If you're the type of person that has struggled with one setting those boundaries, two being able to say no but then also struggling with saying yes to yourself that's probably the biggest thing i took away from her book is that she got to a place where she learned how to say yes to herself in her own dreams and she looked what she's been able to accomplish (laughs) since saying that right so that's my favorite book the year of yes
0: love it what's one way you like to care for yourself
1: who rest I'm learning to take rest, like, and not even, when I say rest, I'm not even just saying physically, cause I think we're all great at doing that, but learning to really rest mentally, rest emotionally, um, and that looks like a few things. That looks like meditation for me. That looks like reading God's word. That also looks like going to see my own therapist and processing through things that I may have been experiencing in the field. Um, so, but really being centered with myself so that, cause when I'm good and I'm at peace, then everything around me will be good and at peace.
0: I love it. I love it. And what is one action step that you can take right now or continue to take if you're already doing it to really meet that business coach that you need to meet and really meet that therapist that models your holistic dream practice that you
1: want to meet? So I would say the action step is continuing to show up. Um, I have expanded my own social media reach, so I'm not just showing up on Facebook and Instagram (laughs) like I was, but I have tapped into like LinkedIn and Twitter and Clubhouse, which I never thought I would actually enjoy Clubhouse, but I love Clubhouse. So really continuing to show up, continuing to be in places and spaces with like-minded people and not being afraid to be vulnerable enough to say, I need help, (laughs) and this is what I need help in um, that has, that, that is the thing that I continue to do because I believe that the right coach for me and even the right therapist for my, my dream center is out there. It's just going to require me to show up and be vulnerable enough to say, this is what I'm struggling in. Who do you know that can help me and then make the connection?
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I love that. Well, that's all we have. I do have a couple more questions for you though, if you don't mind. Okay. Uh, Have you ever read? who not how no you should read that book who (laughs) not how okay it's a really good book it's who not how by dr benjamin hardy and dan sullivan i believe it is i just finished reading it on audible and i think it will revolutionize your life
1: (laughs) okay who not how all right i'm gonna have to look that up
0: yep it's about six hours so six hours on audible so about that same time to read but um Yep. Who not how is a really good book. Also, do you have a podcast?
1: I do have a podcast. So my podcast is called Hey Queen Thrive. It's actually we're wrapping up season one this week. It's crazy. Um, but I <laughs> I started that podcast because I really wanted to create a platform where I can have conversations with everyday women about things that the world's not talking about. You know, like um we've done so many great conversations um this season and i'm excited for season two but yeah hey queen thrive is the name of my podcast
0: i love it i love it well awesome leah thank you so much for coming on the show is there something else you want to chat about before we sign off
1: no this was great timothy thank you for having me
0: of course of course thanks for coming on and my last challenge to you i know that you have a podcast is to take it daily okay which i know is a lot and i know you're kind of in your like, um, Make sure you care for yourself, which may get hard to do if you take it daily, but take it daily by implementing who, not how. That's my challenge to you. All right.
1: (laughs) I will do. Thank you.
0: Awesome. Well, sounds good. Leah, thank you for coming on guys. Thank you for watching. If you vibed with what Leah had to say or you know that business strategist or therapist that she's looking for, make sure to make that connection, reach out to Leah and um, just let her know how you can help her. And also if you have some way that she can help you make sure to ask, cause I'm sure she'd love to. Well, thank you guys for listening. As we always ask, shoot this over to one or two people, you know, need to hear this podcast or need to meet Leah. Shoot us a five-star review on iTunes and we're out.